Father's Day is a day of mixed emotions for me because I used to find this particular day very tough. Early on in my life when I was eight years old, uh, my father was murdered um, and that left a real sort of void in my life. And in my childhood, I would always have the idea of, well, other kids are walking around with their dads, but I'm not walking around with mine. You know, my dad's gone. And that would dominate my head, that, I, that would dominate my thoughts. Throughout my early teens and 20s, that affected my behavior. I got into all sorts of trouble. I was quite an angry kid, quite a violent kid. And then I met Jenny, who is my lovely wife. I met her dad for the first time when I was about 29 years old. And he had a real impact on my life. You know, I would describe him as my spiritual mentor. And he was a father to me. He gave me an opportunity to have a father. When I accepted Jesus into my life and starting to go through the Bible, it was just mind blown by some of the truths in it. When I finally realized God is my father, that it changed everything. You're calling me your son. And that was a game changer because I knew I wasn't alone. It sounds really simple, but yet it's profound. God's with you. He says, I will be with you always. And that's the most profound truth I can say after what, maybe 20 years as a Christian coming up. He's with me. And so in my own road, in terms of wanting to become a parent, always wanting to have kids, our opportunity came through adoption. We adopted two very lively young children in 2014, Renee and Ruben. This love that I have for those kids is, you know, people talk about biology, um, that's absolutely irrelevant. You know, I, I love those two children and I'm honored to be their dad. I didn't think I was ever gonna have a father figure. I didn't think I was ever gonna be a father figure, but God gave me both because, you know, he talks about all things being possible and that's the absolute truth. Um, and he made all things possible. God answers prayers. Wow, amazing. It's such a huge privilege and honor to be speaking here. And um, I know this is your church, so you're probably like, eh. but this is a huge honor. I've been here lots of times for conferences and lots of different things, and so it's really amazing. So my name's Mark, and um, I'm Scottish, and uh, thanks for that little cheer there. And uh, I'm a massive fan of God. I love God hugely, but I'm also a big football fan. Yeah, sorry about that. And sometimes it can cause a little bit of conflict when you're a football fan and you love God. Um, I went to see, my, my friend's a minister called Derek, and Derek got me tickets to see Bolton against Chelsea. And uh, it was quite a few years ago, it's when Bolton um, were able to put a team together. And Bolton... Um, were, were, were there and they were in the premiership and the seats that we got were really close to the, the fence and on the other side of the fence was the Chelsea fans. So I was sitting with my friend Derek who's a minister in the Bolton end and there's a fence with all the Chelsea fans and in the first half Bolton scored and when Bolton scored my friend Derek got up and he was going wild. He was going crazy and I was like calm down and then with three minutes of the game to go, Chelsea equalized. 
And when Chelsea equalized, all the Chelsea fans got up and they ran to the fence and they were all screaming through the fence. Yeah, they were shouting. I think they were saying, may your mother be blessed. Yeah, I think it was that. It was definitely something about mothers. And they were uh, and they were screaming through the fence. And my friend Derek, who's a minister, he was tense. And I was like, Derek, calm down. You love God. You're a minister. You've got a wife. You've got children. Calm down. And then with the last kick of the game, Chelsea scored the winner. It was Bolton one, Chelsea two. All the Chelsea fans got up. They were all dancing. And my friend Derek shot up and he started to run towards the fence. And I thought, oh, what will I do? If I stay here, I'll be safe. But if I go with him, that's going to be funny. Yeah? So I thought, I'm going to go with him. So I'm like, what? I says, Derek, do not say anything you're going to regret. Remember, you're a pastor of a church. You're a minister. You're a Christian. Do not say anything that you're going to regret. But he was so angry. And he got up against the fence and he just screamed at the Chelsea fans. He just went, ah, I hope you get stuck in traffic. <laughs> like, wow. What a great chant that is. I hope you get stuck in traffic. I don't want anything bad to happen to you. Just mild inconvenience, yeah? I absolutely love that. And then being Scottish and, and I'm married to Tamsin, I live in England, my wife's English and my kids have both been brought up in England. So I am got a challenge every four years because being Scottish and my son loves England, I, I have to support England. And uh, I, I try my best, I do my best to support England. Come, come on, England. And, uh, and uh, every four years at the World Cup, and normally you guys make it easy for me because you get knocked out fairly early. And uh, <laughs> God bless you. And, uh, but now and again, now and again, and of course last year was very difficult for me because you did great. And England went right through, got through the semi-final against Croatia. And I was trying my best. And on that day, England versus Croatia, I phoned my dad. Now, my dad's a minister of a church in Scotland. And I phoned him up and I said, Dad, I'm trying to support England here. Are you supporting England? And my dad said, Son, all of the churches in Scotland were all singing I am a new Croatian. And I thought, wow, wow. That is not unity, is it? That is not what we believe in. I love that. I really wanted to bring a message from 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. And the Bible says these amazing words. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Wow. I want to talk about he's a good, good father. Father's Day is so emotive. 
And I, I was really blessed to hear a few minutes ago as we were just talking about, for some people, um, the, the word father is a really joyous thing and, and a happy thing. And, and you smile when you hear the word father. For other people, it brings sorrow. It brings them regret. For some people in the room, the very word father maybe makes you angry. That, that, that some of the things that happened um, should never have happened and, and you have anger and it's like understandable. But the Bible talks to us today about a good, good father. That God is a good, good father. I remember being a little kid and being at school and the, the, the teacher was just going around the class and asking, what, what kind of things do you, do you want from a dad? And I can remember what I said in that class. And here were the three things I said. I, w- I, want, a, I want a dad that I can go on adventures with. That was one of the things that I said. The second thing I was, I want to have a dad that I, I can feel safe with. And, and, and I also said, I want to have a dad that cheers me on. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today. He's a good, good father. He lavishes his love on us. Um, I, I wanted to come and stir you up a little bit today to speak to your soul about going on an adventure with the father. You know, it, it, when we're Christians, it can become quite easy to get comfortable. It can become quite easy that our faith becomes very safe. I don't know, I keep on challenging myself. I don't want my faith to become safe. That I don't just want to go through the motions. I know how to do church. I know how to be a Christian on a Sunday. And I kind of go through the motions. I'm always saying, I want to go on an adventure with the Father. God wants you to go on a faith adventure with him. He wants you to um, be challenged and to try new things, to kind of do things that you've maybe never done before. That maybe you could pray for someone this week and really put yourself out there. I love these words by Hudson Taylor. He says, unless there's an element of risk in our exploits for God, there is no need for faith. It's like, Sometimes we can become so comfortable in our Christianity that if God didn't turn up, we'd still be okay. Sometimes we can get so relaxed in our Christianity that like, even if, you know, there was no God, you know, we'd all be fine. We'd get through the service and we'd still have a great dinner. But the truth is, I want us to live a life where we are risking everything. We are throwing ourselves out and we're like, God, if you do not turn up for me now, I am in big trouble. God, I I, want to risk everything and say, Father, I want to be edgy and live a life where I'm like trusting you and believing in you. I love this. Listen to this. During World War II, The U.S. government discovered its parachutes failed to open 50% of the time. Just think about that for a second. 50% of the people that were throwing themselves out of planes, the parachutes were failing. The, the, The U.S. government realized this was not good enough. They needed a zero failure rate. And they got think tanks to work out, what can we do? How can we make it so that we have a zero rate failure 
Well, what they decided to do was they decided that the problem was solved by requiring parachute packers to put on one of their products occasionally and jump out of the plane. I love that. You know what? You're suddenly packing those parachutes a lot better, aren't you? You're thinking, I want this to be right because I might be wearing it. It's like they, they suddenly realize the difference between a nice little parachute that would be worn by someone else and, well, whatever, to suddenly like, this needs to work or I'm in a lot of trouble. And I want to have a faith where it's like, I'm not just wanting to live a life where, hey, guess what? If it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. Say Sarah, Sarah. I want to be in those moments with God where I'm saying, God, you, you need to turn up now, God. Father, if you don't come now, I'm in big trouble. I have thrown myself out the plane and I am needing you to turn up. Um, this happened for me. I, I became an evangelist when I was a, a young guy and I wanted to see lots of unchurched people connect with God. And um, everywhere I was going, there was lots of Christians. And uh, my wife, Tamsin, who's with me today, she booked me in to see a comedian, but a, a guy called Dave Gorman. And Dave Gorman's not a Christian, but he's a comedian with a message. And I remember watching this and God speaking to me so directly. And God says, I want you to put on comedy one-man shows. And I want you to bring the gospel into the comedy one-man show. And I'm like thinking, God, I'm a preacher. What? You know, have you ever had those moments where you talk to God and you're like, what are you talking about? And I felt so stirred that it was from God that, I spoke to Tamsin and we put a, a show on in a theatre. And this theatre in Nottingham on the outskirts, a little theatre, and 70 people came, but lots of unchurched people came. And uh, I did my show. First time I'd ever done it. And now where it lasted. There were moments that were so funny. People were slapping their legs, laughing, turning to each other and laughing. But there were also moments. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where there's like a synchronized buttock clench. Have you ever been there? <laughs> Some people are doing it right now. And it's like, oh, it's like, oh, they're like the, you know, they kind of, it's like, oh. And yeah, there was one or two moments that were not brilliant. And, um, but we got to the point of the cross and I unpacked the message of the cross and on that day in that theater five people who'd never known God and responded and gave their lives to Jesus in that theater and I took this huge risk and then at the end I'd asked this minister to come to watch it because I'd never done it before and I wanted his feedback and he came to the front and I'll never forget it he came and he says Mark I want to speak to you he says listen what are you doing he says, are you trying to be on TV? Do you think you're going to become a comedian? He goes, go back to the churches and stop mucking around in theatres and stop being a funny man and just preach in churches. He goes, never do that again. And he just walked off. Have you ever had one of those moments where you're like, thanks for the feedback? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, we were driving home in the car. And my wife's driving and she's excited about the fact that five people had responded and she's talking, Mark, are you up there? And I says, oh, I'm never doing it again. She says, what are you talking about? I told her about what this minister had said. And my wife in that car, 
She said, listen to me. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen your wife or your husband or your partner where the vein in their neck actually comes out of their body and travels around the car. Have you ever seen that? But she was like, listen to me. I looked up to heaven and God was like, you should listen to her. Yeah, you should definitely listen to her. God was like, I'm listening to her, so you should listen to her. She says, Mark, it's true that there were one or two stories that you should never say again out loud. She goes, that is true. She goes, but we can change that. She goes, we're going to do this again because, Mark, you were engaging up there and people were absolutely enthralled and people connected with the cross. She goes, we're doing it again. And then I did. I took that step of faith. I threw myself out the plane. I says, I'm taking this step of faith. And we got bigger and bigger theatres. And then we did a theatre, and I'll never forget it, in Lincolnshire, and there was 800 people came to the theatre. And it was so exciting. And on that day, 120 people made a first-time response for God. 120 people. So exciting. It was so exciting. But what I didn't know was that that minister that had been there on the first week, he was in the theatre at the back, and he comes to the front, and he is like, Mark, you must keep on doing this. <laughs> and I am like, oh, as soon as he stops talking, I'm going to let him have it, yeah? I'm going to tell him a few things. And God was like, no, 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 no. Fingers on lips, Mark, come on. Be the bigger man. And I says, oh, thank you, thank you, sir, thank you. Yeah, I will keep on doing it. Thank you very much. And off he walked. And now I talk about him all over the world, yeah? And... Uh, <laughs> Never use his name, praise the Lord. So the thing is, you know, I, I took this step of faith when I stepped out. Pastor Dave was just talking about that message where I walked with the cross over Britain and, and oh, we had some really incredible moments. But I like stepped out. And I'll, I'll never forget, I had this huge cross on my back that I was carrying. And we were walking through a part of London that, that, that had a, so many people from another faith. And they started to gather around me and I've got a cross on my back. And I remember trying to think of things I could call the cross. I was trying to think if I could kind of pull it off to say it's just a new kind of rucksack. And it's like, I didn't think it was going to work. And this group, they surrounded me and they were very aggressive. And I had got a team that were praying for me and I had my phone out and I was messaging them. And I was messaging them the words, I am scared. And... Because of autocorrect and because I was agitated, it came up as, I am sacred. <laughs> but you know, in that moment, in the fear, sacred is found in the scared. See, I know you are such a great church and God is blessing you incredibly. But I would encourage you to go for more. That this is a great adventure with the Father. That sacred is found in the scared. Maybe this week we could pray for someone that we, 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 we say, can I pray for you about that? Maybe it would be an opportunity to chat on the bus with somebody about God. Maybe this week is an opportunity for you to run with something that God is stirring you up. But I felt to come and say, you know, let us not play safe. Let's not be comfortable, but let's go on an adventure with the Father. 
The second thing I wanted to talk about is that I, as a little kid, I wanted to be safe. I wanted to, to, to find safety in my father. I wanted to, to, him to be someone that I, I felt like I, I could run into his arms. And, and I know for some of us in the room, we've not had that. We've not felt safe. Father has not been a safe figure in our life. But you know, we're talking about God, who in the Bible says, he lavishes his love on us. That we should be called children of God. That we can feel safe in the arms of God. That we can feel secure. That we can know that whatever's going on, God will be there for us and we can be safe in his arms. Tamsin and me, we, we went to Australia a couple of years ago and we went to the Gold Coast and um, I went into the sea and I'm a decent swimmer but a wave completely wiped me out and for a moment I was really in trouble. I thought, oh man, I, I'm, I'm struggling here. But then I managed to get my feet and I came out and I got chatting with the lifeguards on that beach. And they were talking about the currents and the eddies and the tides in that particular part of the sea. And they said, they're savage. They turn really quick. You, you, you can be swimming fine and then suddenly a, a tide can turn and you can be really struggling. And then they told me this story. It's a story about a nine-year-old girl, an Australian girl who was swimming and, and um, she was doing fine and then suddenly the tide turned, a wave knocked her out and suddenly she was all over the place. And the, the lifeguards ran down the beach and they could see that this little girl was struggling and her arms were thrown all over the place and she is in a lot of trouble. And they could not get to her because the tide had turned and they went into the sea but they realized that the currents were too strong. And what they did is they went and they got this kind of piece of flotation. It's called a rescue can. And they threw it out to this little girl. And the, the rescue can landed really close to the little girl. But the lifeguard was saying to me that, oh, Mark, he said, it was, it was bad because the little girl kept on going under. Her eyes began to roll. And even though the flotation was so close, she didn't understand that that was her salvation. She did not understand that this was the rescue plan. She did not understand that this was going to be the thing that would save her. She didn't get it. And she went under and she went under again. And they said, we thought she was gone. That last time when our head came up, we thought she was gone. But then suddenly it was as if, ding, a light bulb in her head came on. And suddenly she grabbed hold of this rescue can and the guys started to pull her in. But then they told me about this man running along the beach. And this was this little girl's dad. He's running along the beach and he's sobbing, he's weeping, he's shouting. And they're just pulling this little girl in able to pull her in and the dad just grabs hold of her and he grabs hold of her and he's holding her so tight. You know, friend, I, I don't know what's happening with you today. You've maybe come here and this is the first time you've ever been here or maybe you've been here many times. And we're talking about a good, good father. You see, the Bible says that God loved you so much that he made a rescue plan for you. You see, um, 
all of us have drifted from God. The Bible says every single one of us, all of us have strayed. We've all drifted from God. I believed this morning when I was praying that there's someone sitting in this room and, and you feel like your head's going down for the last time. You feel like you've strayed from God and, 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 and there's so much turmoil around. There's so much turbulence in your life that you feel like you're being overwhelmed and you feel like you're going down for the last time. But you know the Bible says in John chapter 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his son. That Father God, he gave Jesus. You see, the cross is not just our brand for the church. The cross is not just a kind of clever market employed by Christians. The cross is God sent his son, Jesus. He is the rescue line. He is the rescue plan. And that today, if you come through the cross, you grab hold of Jesus on the cross, you come through the cross, you will be reunited with the Father. That the cross is a way for us to be rescued. I'm so glad I can remember the day when I grabbed hold of the cross. I realized I had my light bulb moment. And I realized that the cross is not just some kind of thing on a hymn book or a Bible. But the cross is the rescue line. That if I come through the cross, I will be back safe in the arms of the Father. And for me, my prayer today is that wherever you are sitting in and whatever is going on, and I know that for some of us, we have turbulence in our life. I know that for some people in the room, we've got struggles going on and we've got challenges. And God has prepared a rescue line for you that we would come through the cross and be found again in the arms of the Father. And at the end of my few minutes left, I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm going to give people the opportunity that you today, that you would just say, do you know what, I'm, I'm going to pray that prayer. I'm going to grab hold of the cross and come through the cross and be found again in the arms of the Father. And God is a good, good Father. And you will be safe in His arms. It's like, oh, I come from Edinburgh and when we were taught as kids at school, we were taught about the Edinburgh Castle and how, you know, please don't take this personally, but how the horrible English would come up and attack us. God bless you all, kindness upon you. And, uh, you know, and, and our history teachers would tell us about how the, the people from Edinburgh, the Scots, they would, they would get safe into the castle and they would pull the drawbridge up. And I can remember as a little boy thinking about how amazing that would be to be safe in the castle with the enemy around. And, you know, I feel for somebody in the room. I feel like there are a few people today and you've come in this place and of course you look amazing on the outside. But inwardly, things are going a little bit tough. I, somebody's got a family challenge, somebody's got a financial issue, there are people in the room and we've got stuff going on and God says, I, I want you to be safe in my arms. Whatever it is that's coming and attacking you, 
Whatever direction it's coming from, maybe a direction you never expected it to come from, maybe a place that you never dreamed that you would be feeling attack from such a place. God, he wants you to be safe in his arms, that you would run and be found safe in his arms. He's a good, good father. He lavishes his love upon us. He lavishes his love upon us. He, he, he's your biggest fan. You see, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I meet Christians who just seem angry and just are against everything. And it, like God's just, their image of God, he's got a stick up in heaven and he's just angry. No parties, no fun, stop smiling. And it's like, this is the image that they've got of God. But the Bible here talks about a God who wants to lavish his love upon you. He thinks you're brilliant. He thinks you're amazing. He created and designed you and didn't make a mistake. When he made you, he knew what he was doing. He loves your quirky sense of humor. He loves your, you know, crazy ways. He loves that sometimes you're a little bit weird. He loves all of that. God thinks you're great. And he wants to cheer you on. He wants to encourage you. He wants to get behind you and and shout and cheer and say, this is my girl, this is my son. Look at her go, look at her go, look at him go. My friend Neil was in the Lake District doing a little bit of walking with his brother when suddenly around this corner came this car and this car came flying around the corner and this older gentleman got out of the car and he came over to Neil and his brother and he was a bit breathless and he says, guys, I, I wonder if you could help me. And they were like, what can we do? He says, my 16-year-old son is cycling John O'Groats to Land's End and he's got all the sponsorship but now that he's kind of hit the hills of the Lake District, he he he's not enjoying it. He's finding it tough. He wants to quit. He wants to give up. But he says, oh, his dad says, I wonder if you guys could just help me. He's going to come round that corner in two minutes. Would you help me cheer him on? Just give him a bit of a shout, a bit of a clap, a bit of a cheer. Is that okay? And Neil and the brother were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the dad went and got a few others and they got a little group of five or six of them and they waited. And as soon as the little first sign of the tire coming round the corner. The dad suddenly jumps in the air and he's shouting, go on, my son, go on, keep on going. And Neil and the rest of the group were like, well, we've got to match the enthusiasm. We've got to like really get up for this. So they're all shouting and cheering. And this little boy who was so tired and wanted to quit, he saw his dad and his dad's got a little group. And suddenly this little boy starts to cycle harder. And he shoots right past them, gives them the thumbs up, and shoots right past them. On he goes, yeah, on to the next bar. And, and the dad says thank you to everyone, and he's getting in his car. And Neil says to him, where, where are you going now? What are you going to do now? 
And the dad says, I'm going to the next town and I'm going to get an even bigger crowd. And he says, I'm just going to, all the way along, I'm just going to get bigger and bigger crowds and I'm going to be there right till my son crosses that finishing line. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that fantastic? And, you know, we're here, friend, and I'm so aware that some of us, it's, it's uphill. For some of us, you know, we're trying. We're trying our best. We're giving this our best shot. But it's hard. And some of us, we're feeling like quitting. We feel like giving up. We're like, oh man, I was doing better and then this is sideswiped me and I'm struggling. And sometimes we, we get this feeling that like God's just there with like some kind of clipboard marking us out a 10 and, 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 and he's just there kind of like, oh, how well are you doing? How good a Christian are you? How are you trying? And yeah, that is not the image of the Bible because Father God, He's cheering you on. He's there for you. He wants you to succeed. He is there. He is gathering his angels round. And he's saying, come on, my son. Keep on going. He's like, come on, my daughter. Keep on going. He's a father who encourages. He's a father who cheers us on. He's a father who says, I know it's tough right now, but you Dig in deep and keep going and I'm going to be there with you every step of the way. I'm going to be there with you every step of the way. And there's this moment in my life sometimes where I can just feel God cheering me on. And I'm like, ah, because you are here, it is well. Because you are here, God. The hills have not changed. The hills are still tough. And your Monday morning is still going to be a challenge. And some of you are going to have a week that's going to be like, wow. But because you are here, it is well. It is well. He is here. He is with you. And he is for you. We're in the presence of God. I don't know if the band could maybe come and and join us, but I wonder if for a moment you could just bow your head in the presence of God. And as, oh God, because you are here, it is well. And friend, what I'm going to simply do is this. Is I'm going to pray a prayer in a moment. And I know that there are some people in the room and you've drifted from God. Some distance has come between you and God. And God has, he's thrown out the rescue line. He's thrown out the cross to you. And I'm going to pray a short prayer and I'm going to ask you today that you pray that prayer. Don't say it out loud so people around can hear you, but just pray it in your heart. And as you pray it, after me, we're going to say amen. 
And then I'm just going to ask us to keep our heads bowed for a couple more moments. I'm going to ask us to keep our heads bowed and I'm just going to count to three. And I'm going to say, if you prayed that prayer, wherever you are in the auditorium, if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you just to slip up your hand. And one of the team are going to come and they'll put a bag in your hand and we just want you to slip that under your chair. We just want you to have that today. I know that there are people that have drifted from God. I know that there are people and you know today that there is distance between you and God. Then why don't you join me in praying this prayer right now? Dear God, thank you that you sent Jesus. I am sorry for drifting away from you. I am sorry for the stuff that I've got involved in. But I come now through the cross. I ask for your forgiveness. I receive your love. And I journey with you in Jesus' name. Amen.